Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning, church. I'll just start reading. So, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that that had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years older and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Amen. What an amazing story this is, and we're coming up to Christmas. I want to talk... Today, thank you, Lewis, for bringing the word this morning. But I want to talk today about this very story. Many of us, uh, can you just turn, is it possible just to turn the mic down a little bit? That'd be great. Many of us know the story. We see the Christmas cards of what we know as the three kings, or I used to sing a song when I was at church and, and carol sing, We Three Kings of Orientar. And I used to love that song, and we see many cards with this symbolic thing. Uh, actually, the Bible never actually tells us that there are three. We only determine that from the three gifts that uh, have just been mentioned right at the end. But I want to talk today not just on three wise men, but I want to talk today about four wise men in this story. The four wise men is the title of the message. These three wise men is someone we know that recognize, they see this star, and they observe this star in the sky, And they head off on this long journey to Jerusalem to find the king, the savior, Jesus. And they come across a man called Herod on the way, King Herod, who also 
is aware of what they're looking for. And it's interesting when you look at this story that actually these three wise men, there is something about them that they know about Jesus that what that makes them want to travel all of these miles to get to him. And if you look and, and you study about the, the wise men, the or the magi as they're called, you'll find <clears throat> that they traveled possibly 800 miles plus. So we're not talking some little journey across that we can see in the nativity plays. And I, I was at Lewis's nativity play the other day and watching him. And, uh, and it's amazing how things are just wrapped up, isn't it? In, you know, 10, 15 minutes, the whole story's done. And uh, if you're in a film, you know, an hour and a half. But let me tell you, the story of what we read is not just all just in quick succession. But these men had to travel such a long distance to get to Jesus. There was a massive journey involved. There was something about these magi that, and we call them kings. In, 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 in some respects, they're, they're called wise. The, 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 the word magi comes from magician, where we get magician from. But they were wise in knowing uh, things, seeing the stars, understanding things in a priestly role to know about Jesus. And they recognized that something special was happening. I want to talk about two different types of wisdom today. Because what we see in this story is three wise men that recognized Jesus, but also there was another king, and that's King Herod, who was also known to be wise. He was a wise man. If you were a king, then you would be known to be wise. But there is a difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. And I want to talk today about these two types of wisdom that can sometimes trick us if we accept earthly wisdom above heavenly wisdom. And sometimes these two things can mix together. And sometimes we can have a mixture of earthly wisdom and have a mixture of heavenly wisdom. And we're not really fulfilling or living out the call of what God wants in our lives. But these three wise men were so focused on heavenly wisdom from what they got from God, but the king that they met, Herod, he was only getting his wisdom from an earthly perspective. In James chapter 3, verse 13 to 17, we're going to read it. It talks, James talks about two kinds of wisdom. He says this, verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let me show you, show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness." Earthly wisdom, James says, is summed up in several things, some of which are selfish ambition. 
selfish ambition, and it even goes on to say, which is quite harsh, it's sometimes unspiritual, we know, but sometimes demonic. Have you ever thought of that? When you see the most wisest person, you turn on the news, you see someone, you think they're not a Christian, or they seem to be a wise person. But James says, earthly wisdom that comes from man alone is unspiritual, and it's demonic. But heavenly wisdom is based on purity, submission to God, mercy and good fruit. I want to encourage you today that there is, the enemy wants to get us in a position to not see the difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. Because if you can get us into a position where we start to trust in earthly wisdom, we're losing our, um, what should I say, our, our guiding life from God. One thing that these three wise men had, they were on the Christmas cards, yes, yes, we see the pictures on there. But there's one thing that's true about them, they knew where they were going and what they were doing and who they were serving. I want to ask you today, do you really know in your life, have you let earthly wisdom come into your life and to distract you from where God wants to take you? Luke 7 verse 35, Jesus said this. He said, wisdom is proved right by its children. Wisdom is proved right by its children. In other words, the children, the fruit that comes from your wisdom, that's where the real test is. You check out the fruit, you'll see the kind of wisdom. True wisdom is described in that way. And King Solomon in, in 2 Chronicles 1 When he takes over from his father David, the one thing he asked for, it's amazing, he could have asked for anything he wants, but the one thing he asked for is wisdom. You read it. He takes over from his successor, and he he takes over, and what a big job to do, and he could have thought, you know, if I just had a bit more, uh, if I had a bit more finance, I could achieve, and I could do so many things, if I had this, if I had that, and he could have looked at worldly values, and thought, if I have these things, I know I'm going to be able to deal with these people, but what he observed is this, that the thing, the key to success in leading people, the key to success in moving that kingdom forward, as he took over from his father David, the key to success was wisdom and heavenly wisdom. And so he asks God in 2 Chronicles 1, he says, uh, I want wisdom and, and God is really blessed by this and he gives him wisdom. You, you can read the Proverbs, read the Proverbs, all the things, the wisdom that comes from Solomon. But he gives him and he grants him this desire. But what's great about it, if you read it, he grants him it, but he also grants him material blessing as well. That kind of falls in line with what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom. All the other things will be added. If you get it in the right order, seek his wisdom first. Seek his direction in our lives first. Then all the other things will be added unto us. Amen? Wisdom, heavenly wisdom is something you can think, well, this is not really, is this what I need to hear today? Yes, it is. Because if you get heavenly wisdom, if Solomon wanted it as a primary thing to lead that place and those people then I think we need it in our lives. I'm not sure that King Herod had this desire for the wisdom that the three men who visited him carried. The first thing I want to look at today, and I'm going to quickly go through these, I promise, is five, five things, differences between, five differences between the three wise men who were following heavenly wisdom 
and the one who was really following earthly wisdom. Let's look at some of the differences. The first one today is this, that they read the word. That's the, this is the three wise men. They read the scriptures. They read the word of God. It's so important. You don't just get wisdom from coming here and learning here. You get wisdom for yourself to read the scriptures. It's so important in our Christian lives, not as a legalistic view, but to read and absorb the word of God. The wise men, if you read it, if we go back to the story, what Lewis kindly read to us earlier, we'll see that these three wise men, they knew the scriptures from the book of Micah, from the Old Testament. They'd come possibly from the Persian Empire, from Babylon across, and, and back in Daniel's time, they would have known the scriptures. These scriptures that have gone through, but hundreds and hundreds of miles away, possibly 800 miles away, they knew the scriptures of the one who was to come that was prophesied in Micah. They'd read, they knew, so then they set off on this journey, they packed the bags. You know, it's, it's hard enough, isn't it, just packing the bags and going to Stansted and getting on a flight with the kids. But these guys had to travel 800 miles, they didn't have a flight on EasyJet. And they set off on this journey. And in wisdom, they know that when they go, they want to find Jesus, they see the star. They knew their scriptures When they arrived in Matthew chapter 2 verse 2, it says this, The Magi asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? They knew their stuff. Where's this one? We've seen the star. We've kind of come in the vicinity. You know, we, our sat-nav's brought us this far, but we, you know, we're in, we're in kind of an area now. Can you tell us the specifics? We've seen the star. Can you tell us the specifics of where he is? But they also said, where's this, where's this king of the Jews? Then they said, we saw his star. Not just a star, we saw his star. That's Jesus. When it rose and we have come to worship him. They had recognized the star. They traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles. They arrived. They don't know the specific address. They haven't got the postcode. So they knock on Herod's door and ask for a meeting with him. Late night meeting if they can get it. To see where's the, where is this specific address? Because do you know what? We want to know where this king of the Jews is. They knew their scriptures. Real wisdom comes from you knowing the word of God. You need to know the word of God. That's where wisdom will come. When you read the word and you absorb it, it's not just a book. You absorb it, it will give you heavenly wisdom. The Bible is for everyone. And what I find so interesting is that King Herod is is in this vicinity. He lives only about six or seven miles away from where Jesus has been born. But they've traveled 800 miles to come and he's not even been and visited himself. It's right under his nose, but yet he doesn't spot it. But they spot it all this distance away. And I want to encourage you, some of us say, well, you know, is this, is the whole message of Jesus, is the whole message of the cross and the Bible for me? You know, it happened 2,000 years ago. I live in England today and I'm not really sure I need to be a Jewish story. Is anything to do with me? What I find amazing is this. I was sat the other day in my, in Lewis's, um, nativity play on the front row and I I was watching in this school as kids were playing out this Jewish story in in Cambridge in a little village and I'm thinking isn't it amazing that 2,000 years have gone by and people are still doing this story whether they get it right or not is is one thing 
We spent most of the time in the nativity play looking at Lewis taking off all of the things that we'd put on him, his clothes. And so he turned from a village people to, so, not village people as you would know it, but he turned from a villager, a villager was it, someone at the inn. I didn't know what he was. He had a brown cape on. I'm not sure we went through our fancy dress stuff and put, put a concoction together. And we noticed through the songs, he started to take layers off till he looked like an angel. And I was getting confused and he came to the front. I spent most of the time not really listening to the story, but trying to tell him to put his clothes back on. Because the worst thing, he'd stuffed all of his clothes into his tracksuit bottoms. And he had a, this huge bulge at the side of his pocket. I thought, what must the people think? Minister of a church's son? But isn't it amazing that a story, a Jewish story has traveled through these centuries? The reason it is, is because the word of God is for everyone across this world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for the whole world to hear. So today I want to encourage you, when you pick up your Bible and you look at it, it's not an ancient story. It's not something for the vicinity, because even Herod, who was sat right there, he didn't know his scriptures. Why didn't he know his scriptures? I'll tell you why. Because he had to ask the priests, and everyone to come in to tell him what's going on. The first thing he does is when he hears this bit of an uproar, and the three wise men rock up in town, the next thing he does is this. He calls his priests. He's like, let me check my, my number book for the priests. I need to find some information because I don't know what's going on here. I don't know the scriptures. So he calls the priests. They come and they give him information. So man begins to give him information rather than him knowing himself. Listen to me. You cannot find the, the, the message, the word of God cannot come to you just through man's voice. It has to come from reading yourself. I'm not trying to diminish the ministry here. But what I'm saying is we need, we need both. But the main thing is you need to know before I tell you, you need to know the scriptures. That's not legalistic. That's saying know the scriptures. He was frantically running around thinking what's going on. There was, there was kind of a bit of disorder going on. He didn't know what was going on. And I want to encourage you today that you need to know the word of God for yourself. Because when they came in, the next thing he does, he calls on these people. Proverbs 18 verse 2 says this, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. He was foolish not to know the word. He was foolish not to know and understand what was going on for the signs of the times. And there is, in our, in our day today, we may not have a star in the sky, but there are things going on all around us that the Bible prophesies, talks about, gives us signs of a time when Jesus is going to come again. And there is a time when he's going to return. There are signs all around, but there are people on this earth, you'll see it on the news, who are full of earthly wisdom, which is actually really under, underneath. If it's not of God, is demonic, because what else could it be of? Which is distracting us from heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom says know the word of God. The word of God is better to know than the BBC news. The word of God is better than any politician who is not a believer. Who has his own views and has his views. Fools find no pleasure in understanding. They want to air their own opinions, their own wisdom. Paul said to Timothy this, he said, that scriptures make us wise for salvation. In 2 Timothy 16, he says, all scripture is God-breathed. God wants us to look for ourselves. In other words, 
When we read the word of God, it's God breathed. God is speaking to us. And the thing that he lacked, this man of wisdom, King Herod as a king, the thing he lacked is that he didn't know the word of God. So he didn't know heavenly wisdom. I want to encourage you today, know and read your word. It's the very thing that they did. Number two today, they responded to the sign. They responded to this sign, this star in the sky. The wise men traveled all this distance. It says, we've seen the star and we've come to worship him. They'd seen from a distance. You see, if you read the story, it says they saw the star and then it doesn't say much more about it. Then they seem to see it again later on. And they see this unique symbol in the sky that directs them and calls them. Signs are everywhere for us. At Christmas this year, you'll see signs all over the place that the message of the cross 2,000 years has still traveled all the way to Clinton Cards. There are other shops. Card Factory is a good place. It's much cheaper. I should, should I say that? The Card Factory. You know, you go in there, you go in Clinton Cards, you look. The message of this story has traveled through all this time and it ends up in Clinton Cards. On the front of cards, the, the pictures are right there. But listen to me, you can have a Christmas card on your shelf this Christmas, but it will not save you. A crucifix round your neck will not save you. King Herod was right underneath the star, but it didn't save him. He was right close next to it. They traveled all this distance because if you really see a sign and you really give all your life for Jesus, you'll travel the distance. You will go the whole way. And there's a difference between going the whole way or sitting with it right underneath your nose, living in the story and not really following Jesus. Herod was right there nearly six miles away. They traveled 800 miles plus. There's a difference because when we follow Jesus, when we respond to his call in our lives, we will travel the distance whatever it costs. We'll give our lives to him. I want to encourage you today, real true wisdom is this, when you don't just sit with earthly wisdom saying, well, I'm just going to be religious, I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge Christmas, I'm going to have the cards, I'm going to do this, I'm going to have a crucifix around my neck, I'm going to do all these things to fulfill a religious view. But Jesus saying, listen, it's not about that. You can have it right underneath your nose, but you need to know me personally. You need to travel the distance for me. Jesus said that we would pick up our own crosses and follow him. We would pick up our own cross and follow him. That doesn't sound like a message of happiness sometimes. That's a message of suffering. That we have to take our cross and follow Jesus. To follow that journey. I can just see that these guys, when they set off on this long journey, there must have been times when they were absolutely shattered. Thinking, what on earth are we doing? Is this, you know, is this start? Is this really it? And some of you in your lives today, you feel like quitting on Jesus. You get so far into the journey, you'll stop at the service station and think, you know what, I can't be bothered to carry on. This is just too much hard work. I can't do it. I haven't got the strength to carry on. But those, those three wise men, they knew what it was to keep going the journey because they knew that the fulfillment of the word of God was going to come into action. They wanted to see it with their own eyes. I want to encourage you today. 
Respond to the sign. Respond to the call of God. Respond to what he's saying to you in your lives. Not to just be religious, but to give your all to him to go the distance. So many of us are distracted by by other things. We're distracted by other things that we see around us in, in earthly wisdom. The, the enemy wants to distract us and take us off our course. And we end up wasting our lives and wasting our time. Wasting time away. Time, you know, is so valuable. I'm realizing most, more and more these days how precious time is. God wants us to use it wisely. Wisely. You know, just sometimes we've gone, I don't know if you ever found this, we, we've been into a shop called Debenhams. There are, there are other ones, but we used to go all the time, and I don't know if they ever do this still, but it used to really, it annoys me now if I hear it, but we used to go shopping, and we'd be looking for things in the shop, and we know what we wanted. But every now and again, you'd hear on the tannoy system, if you just go down to the kitchen section, if you go down at this time, you will receive your fruit knife for free. And if you know me, I like a deal. I don't want a fruit knife. But if it's free, I will go down to where they're giving the fruit knife. And I would say to Emma, shall we go and get the fruit knife? She said, we don't need a fruit knife. Why do we need it? I don't even eat fruit. But it's free. If it's free, then I want it. And one time I remember saying to her, well, you carry on looking. I'm going to go down and I'm going to find out where I can get my free fruit knife. So I went down and I looked around and I found myself with a gathering of people as they learnt about fruit knives. And they learnt how these knives work and the whole selling pitch was to get you to buy more. But I still got my fruit knife, which I don't think I ever used. But the thing is this, so many things, distractions in our lives take us off course for things we don't need and want. And the enemy wants to distract us with earthly wisdom, that selfish ambition that is looking for things that we want, that, that we just want to please ourselves and our flesh with. Half the time we don't need it. And we're distracted. And God is saying to us all the time, listen, you just come and get what you wanted. Don't be distracted by these things. I want to encourage you, when I go in them shops today... I'm kind of, I'd like to go around and tell people, whatever you do, don't go down to the next floor to get your fruit knife. You'll be there ages. I'll give them some wisdom. You know, there's so many things that get distracted, we can get distracted by. Jesus has left the greatest sign for every single one of us. And it's the fact that he came and he died. The cross of Calvary is the greatest symbol that you're ever going to see. You ain't going to see no star in the sky. Oh yes, you'll see him when he comes on that final day, when you see him and he returns, and boy, it's going to happen. But listen to me, there is a symbol and a sign that has gone through all these years, and the next time you watch a nativity play, remember it, because the cross of Calvary is the greatest sign for every one of us. It's gone through centuries, it's gone through time. It's a timeless sign till he returns. And he calls every one of us to respond to him. In John 6, verse 44 to 45, Jesus says this, No no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. 
Listen, for God to call you, God calls us first, amen? He calls us by his spirit. He says, everyone who learns wants to come to him. If you learn the scriptures and you're called by God, you want to come. You want to travel the distance when the sign is there, amen? When the Father calls us to respond and to come, some of us today in our earthly wisdom, you'll see around things are getting worse and worse in the world today where there's, there's so many things being pushed out of schools and we see uh, that, that people are not being taught the word of God. They're not being taught these stories. Thankfully, I was in watching this nativity play in some places that wouldn't even exist. And things are going to get worse like that. Things are going to get more difficult as time goes on. That's the way it is. But we've got to stand up for our faith in these times. And we need to teach, that's why we need to teach our children the way. Instruct them in the way of the Lord. In Psalm 53, it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Let me tell you, earthly wisdom is creeping upon us in an antichrist spirit that is coming across our land, that is showing us, and it's evident we can see that people are, are now living up to Psalm 53, that a fool in his heart says there is no God. I want to tell you there is a God. His name is Jesus. And he left the greatest sign for every single one of you and me. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, Paul said this, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's foolishness to those who don't believe and are perishing. It's foolishness. It's the opposite to wisdom. It doesn't look like wisdom at all. Did it look like wisdom to you before you chose Jesus? When he calls you and you learn about who he is, you realize it's the most valuable wisdom you'll ever learn in your life. You've got to remember when someone doesn't believe and they don't understand, remember where you were at once. Remember where you were once when you didn't believe. Because there were times when I joined in with a crowd and I had earthly wisdom and I didn't want to look at, I thought people were crazy to follow Jesus. Listen to me, you need to remember where you are at when people say they don't believe. And pray that God shows them by his spirit the truth again, revealing truth and drawing them back to him. Number three, the next thing, the next difference we see with the kings and Herod is this, that they, when they arrived, they get all the way there and they've now got the extra distance. Herod's just said, uh, give them some directions and then they go to find the see the star again and they carry on. And they arrive to where Jesus is at this house, it says. When they arrive at this place, in Matthew chapter 2, it says they rejoiced at his birth. Listen to me. Real, true, heavenly wisdom from God will give you joy. We had it a few weeks ago when everyone, we saw a YouTube video, we're dancing around here. I thought the floor was going to go through. I wasn't joyous, you know, I was worrying, how much can this floor take? You know, praise God, the YouTube clip was great though. It was worth it. But isn't it great when, when we were singing and we were worshipping this morning, singing the songs, lifting up Jesus. Listen to me, if you are filled with heavenly wisdom from God, like these wise men, you will be full of joy. When they arrived there and they found, and it says they saw the star above, he says they rejoiced at his birth. And the next thing it says they do, they go straight in the house. First thing they do, 
They don't just have something to eat after this long journey. They don't just say, can we have a bit of food and let's sit down and we'll talk and then we'll check out Jesus later. They bowed down and worshipped him. They travelled the whole distance and all they bothered about is worshipping Jesus. It's the first thing. I don't know about you, when I arrived, when I arrive on holiday, the first thing I'm thinking about is where's the restaurant? Whatever time it is. We arrived in Rhodes and it must have been nearly, I don't know, 12 o'clock at night. We're eating chips. You don't eat chips at that time, but you're on holiday. We've just done a long journey. We deserve it. We deserve chips. We deserve a, a, a kebab. And some fruit with my fruit knife. We deserve this. But they traveled the whole distance and they get there. They arrive. They don't say, have you got a meal ready for us? We've traveled a long way. By the way, we're three magi. You know, we're we're the cool guys. No, they say, where is he? They rejoiced. They were happy. They bowed down and worshipped. I want to encourage you today that if you're full of heavenly wisdom, you'll be full of joy. You should be. Because when God gives you a realization, a revelation of who he is, you won't bother about anything else, earthly things. You will just focus on Jesus. All you'll be bothered about is worshipping Jesus. All you'll be bothered about is bowing down to him, serving him and worshipping him. And through that, through worship, joy will come. If you want to know how to get joy back in your life, start worshipping him through your trials. Just like we heard this morning that faith's not about everything going right. It's about staying close to God and understanding him when it's all going wrong. But you need to worship through your trials. And you'll find joy that is not joy of an earthly perspective. Let me tell you the difference here. Three kings, they arrive. They're full of joy. They worship God. It says they rejoice. This is what King Herod does, who's full of earthly wisdom, a king. He says this in verse 3 of Matthew 2. When King Herod heard about Jesus, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. In other words, the king had infiltrated that whole land with his, his, his feeling of being disturbed because he didn't know his scriptures. He didn't understand what was going on. He only understood in his perspective of wisdom for, for as a king, King Herod. And now it says that he was disturbed of this news. The opposite to joy is when you're discouraged, you're disturbed. True uh, earthly wisdom will never give you the satisfaction and joy that heavenly wisdom will. He was disturbed and what happens is it infects all his people in, that, in Jerusalem. He says all of the people were too. Listen to me. In our times that we're in now, you will see that on the news sometimes, you watch things sometimes and you're thinking, these, you know, the politicians, the things we watch, they seem to be so full of knowledge and wisdom. I mean, I would not want to stand... You know, I publicly speak each week, but I wouldn't want to stand in government and and say the things. I'm just not full of the knowledge like they are. And they seem to have so much wisdom in some, some areas. And I look at these people and think, I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I would not have been one to be in, 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 in the House of Parliament a few weeks ago when they were deciding on whether to go to war. You've you got all these people full of different types of wisdom presenting at the table. Listen to me today. Heavenly wisdom is the best thing that you can seek. Because earthly wisdom, earthly wisdom will give an appeal of greatness. But in the long run, it's destructive. It's disturbing. It can be demonic and unspiritual. You know how much we would love to see our governments today serving Jesus, 
putting him as the center of everything. How much we would see our, our lives change around us. Thank God that that's why he sent his son Jesus to restore all things in the times to come. When everything will go to how it should be. And we will serve him, the true king of kings. Without true wisdom, you will never be happy and joyous. In John 15, verse 10 to 11, Jesus wanted our joy to be complete. He said this, if you keep my commands, you know, in other words, you learn the word, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this, get this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He wants your joy to be complete. It's when we remain in him, by following him, by giving our all to him and rejoicing of who he is. Herod didn't intend to worship, did he? He didn't intend to worship Jesus. He was disturbed by the news. His attention was upon himself. He didn't want to worship. He just wanted to find out where Jesus was to kill him. I don't know where what this has ever felt like to, but I love when I come to church and I can worship in freedom. I love, I love the fact that we worship here and there's a sense of uh, worshiping in, in, in spirit and truth, but freedom to worship Jesus. It's not about four or five songs, how good we can sing them. It's about worship, true worship to Jesus. When you don't care about anyone else around you. Just a few weeks ago, we went to a Matt Redmond concert. And I found myself, we, we were sat, we got the front row seats at the top. So people were down at the bottom worshipping. And I'm like, oh, we got the seats early. We got a nice seating. And I found that the whole worship evening started. And no one could stand because everyone had to stay seated. So at the top section, all I was doing for nearly two hours was watching other people worship. It was such a strange feeling. To sit and listen to worship music. And I couldn't even raise my hand. Because I was scared that the person behind me might say, could you lower your hand please? I can't see. So I was a spectator to worship. Boy, it was great to watch people worshipping. But I felt so strange that I couldn't be free and lift my hands. So I started, how can I do this? So I had my arm on my leg and I was trying to do a little raise on, on the leg. You know, just in case anyone saw me and then thought that, I thought that's the pastor at King's Church. Why is he not worshipping? If I just, you know, no, I didn't really. But I was trying to raise, I was trying to do something. And then at the end, Matt Redman, he stood up and he looked and he didn't know why we weren't standing. I think he thought the top section don't really like the noise or they can't hear very well. And he just said, do you guys at the back want to stand? So honestly, the freedom that came when he said you can stand and worship, we worship for about two songs out of 20. Then the freedom came to worship God. I want to encourage you that worship is something valuable. It's something so unique and valuable. It's not just observing. I felt so bad as I watched people worshipping and I wanted to join them and I couldn't. And I paid more money. I paid more money and I couldn't worship. Next time I'm taking a deck chair with me and sitting down at the bottom... I even met people on the way in. I know there's some people here who are standing. God bless you. Did you have a great time? They were saying, oh, it's good to have seats. And I'm going, yes, we're upstairs with the seating. Wisdom. Heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom. Our joy will be complete. God wants us to be joyous. Herod wasn't. He was disturbed. 
Godly wisdom will reveal submission to God, not selfish ambition. It will reveal submission to God, not selfish ambition. Number four, the next difference is this. They relinquish their treasure. They relinquished their treasure. The wise men arrived and the first thing they do is they worship. Then the next thing is they get out their gifts and they give treasure. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you want the principle of tithing and you want the principle of giving, there it is. God gave his only son. He gave the only one that was precious to him to die for us on the cross. He gave his only son out of love. For God so loved the world, he gave. If you worship God, if you love God, if you follow Jesus and you like these wise men know what it is to have heavenly wisdom and follow, you will recognize the Savior and you will want to give everything. Listen to me. When I got saved, no one told me to give. They didn't say it. I mean, you know me. I don't, I don't preach on this much here. But I'm telling you something. God began to stir in my heart because it wasn't just about raising my hands in worship. I wanted to worship him in everything. And I wanted to give. And I wanted to give my tithes and my offerings. And when I understood and I read the word of God that said you need to give a tenth, if not more of what you have, then I thought, I don't want anyone to tell me to do this. I want to do it because God has put it in my heart to do. No one ever told me. And I love that. Because I think we should give from our hearts. God stirs our hearts. If God's spirit is not stirring you to give, then there may be some things you need to question. Maybe get back in the word of God and read it. Because the word of God tells it. The word of God encourages us to give. It's part of our worship. It's part of our worship. And so many of us sometimes we can treat our tithes and offerings like the tax office. As though like it's, a, it's, it's something we have to give. You know, I've got to tick the box. I've got to give it. I'm going to look, it's on, it's on my PAYE slip. There it is. I, you know, I can delete that one because it's one I'll get away with. But listen to me, I'm not trying to tell anyone off. I'm trying to say to you, God showed me in my heart. That's what he needs to do in your heart. No one, don't listen to my words, listen to God. He will show you. He will show you. And we shouldn't give out of, out of something that we, we feel we need something owed back from. Or that we, we do it as a burden, but we should do it because we love Jesus. They gave their gifts. Let me tell you what the opposite is. What Herod did in his earthly wisdom. The, the thing that he did is this. He stole, wanted to steal, kill and destroy. He didn't want to give to Jesus. The next thing he wants to do is he sends out a message that he wants all children killed. Who does that sound like to you? Because if it sounds like the devil to me. In John 10, 10 I think it is, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In other words, Herod was showing earthly wisdom. And in James 3, what we read earlier that says it's unspiritual and demonic, there it is. Pinpoint its accuracy. Herod was right there looking to people like he, he, was, he was bringing peace to the situation. If we can sort this problem out, I'll, I'll kill the children. We'll bring peace and sort this disturbance out that everyone, this disorder has come to. And Herod, people are probably looking at Herod thinking, I don't understand why he's chose to do these things, but he's a man of wisdom and he's going to bring peace to this place. 
Let me encourage you this. Jesus, when they came to Jesus, they gave everything. He wanted to steal and kill and destroy. That's what his wisdom was. And heavenly wisdom today should say to you, not for you to, for you to, to steal and kill, but for you to take, to, to give to Jesus, to give unto him. Everything you are. If you look at the gifts, they were sacrificial, but they were also prophetic. The gifts that these kings give, they showed their relationship with God, I believe. Because they were sacrificial in that the first thing it says is they give gold. Well, gold was recognizing that Jesus' kingship. It was recognizing the kingship of Jesus. They'd already said, where's the king of the Jews? They recognize his kingship, therefore they give gold. The next thing they give is frankincense. You look in Leviticus, it will tell you this, that frankincense was used to put onto the meat as offerings to bring a fragrance. In death, representing death, Jesus, they recognized that he was the one who was going to die. And finally, they give myrrh. They give myrrh as well, recognizing the sacrifice to come. I want to encourage you today that when you give your gifts, they're not just something that we give just ticking a box, but we should give from our heart. Everything from our heart. Everything should be symbolic. Everything should be symbolic of our worship of him. That's why I say at the end of worship on Sundays, we're going to give now, but it's actually an extension of our worship. It's not just another thing. I want to encourage you today to give what you have. His wisdom showed that he wanted everything for himself and he wanted to steal, kill and destroy so that he could have all the attention fall back on him. That he was the one, the peacemaker. He was the one bringing peace. Finally today, number five, the final difference is this, that they, the three kings of these, this wisdom, they recognize God's voice. They recognize God's voice. The wise men, it's the information that they got came from God. They first see a star. And they follow it. They see a star in the sky that is, 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 is in line with scripture. They follow this star and they go to the place and they do this. But then in Matthew chapter 2 verse 12, later on in the story it says this. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. In other words, through obedience to heavenly wisdom, the next thing they get is they hear the voice of God. They start to see supernatural activity in dreams for him directing them and showing them the past in their lives. Listen, you will not get this from earthly wisdom. You will not get it from earthly wisdom. When they sacrificed, when they did the journey and they went on this long journey, they did everything and they worshipped God and they put him first. Then God speaks, gives them the next instructions, doesn't let them falter. I want to ask you today, where's your? are you hearing the voice of God? In your life, you can read the word by you hearing his voice. Search for that voice. Listen to that still quiet voice. Jesus said, my sheep, hear my voice. And I want to encourage you that just like they did, they heard this voice in their dream. Herod, however, you look at Herod, what he does. He has not got the voice of God. Jesus is only a few miles away. He's only just down the road, but yet he cannot hear the voice of God. He doesn't get the dream. He doesn't get these things. And let's just look at what happens for him. Verse 16 of Matthew chapter 2, it says this. When 
Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years older and under. Listen to this. In accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. In other words, the only information he gets is from other wise men. He didn't get it direct from God. His wisdom was from other people. When you trust in earthly wisdom, all you're relying on is other people's wisdom, man's wisdom. And even though their wisdom was heavenly, it was secondary. They needed to, he needed to hear from God. And I want to encourage you, when you follow Jesus, he will give you, he will speak to you and direct you in your lives. And you will not be relying on people. Unfortunately, Herod, as mighty as he was as a king, he had to rely on their information. That's where he was. And what does it say in verse 16? He realized he was outwitted by the Magi. He was outwitted because heavenly wisdom is far greater than earthly wisdom. Amen? In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 19, Paul said this, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. He was outwitted. Heavenly wisdom caught up with him. And they were able to flee and get out of the way. I want to encourage you today that if you follow Jesus with all your heart, if you seek his wisdom above all other things, as James 3 says, there are two kinds of wisdom. And some of us today are like this. I, when I take the kids to the shop, we, we took them out recently and they went into the sweet shop and they choose from a pick and mix. And they're there, they're picking, they're saying, I want one of these, dad. And they're chucking them in the bag and I, every one that they throw in, I'm thinking that's another 10p, another, another 10. I'm trying to add up in my mind what is this. I'm thinking go for the lighter ones, go for the little aero discs that have not got much in them. They look big, but they're not very heavy. You know, pick these ones and they're going for the big bananas that are really heavy. And I'm thinking what the weight of this is going to cost. But, you know, they, they see and shops seem to know, don't they, how to. Why is it? Why can't we just have two or three sweets on option? Why is it that there is hundreds? You know, it's, it's bad enough trying to deal with kids with choosing sweets. But when there are hundreds and they're looking at all these different things. And listen, our lives can be like this if we're not careful. The reason I'm, I say this message today is because I believe that the enemy wants us to pick and mix on heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. Have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I'm going to make up my life as I go along. But listen, God wants you to rely solely on his wisdom. And that's exactly what they did. The three wise men were wise because they knew what they were doing. They were following Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.